Hey guys, it's Brant and I'm back with another video. Today, we're starting a new series. And uh, this is one I've been looking forward to doing for quite some time. This is the first of many videos where I have special guests and you'll see a lot of old faces. You'll see a lot of new faces. And today, this is a relatively new face beside me. It's Rob from, uh, my gosh. Right. I always, I always, I always <laughs> want to call you guys. I love it loud. Yes. It's Rob. For, it's Rob from right between the eyes <laughs> podcast. And thanks for uh, having me back on. Yeah, Rob. I mean, it's, it's awesome. It's, I'm so happy to, uh, to have you back. And, uh, me and Rob's talked about some things we're going to be doing and he's going to be popping in and out of this series along the way, uh, on albums he wants to be on. And that's what I've done is I've reached out to some people who's been, uh, in videos with me in the past and asked them, Hey, you want to come along for the third time around? This would be my third time around to the Kiss albums. The first time was reviews with both mostly me and my son and some other people towards the end. Uh, Rick was in some of those towards the end and some other, I had some other guests and then me and Rick from it's all for you demon did um, the panel has spoken. And towards the end of that uh, I had Carla, who's a, a DJ up in Ohio and uh, she was with me and, and uh, Carla's going to be back and some other people that's been guests in videos is going to be back and I'm nudging Rick to be back, but he's still an extremely very busy dude. Uh, he barely has time to make his own videos. And so I do not want him to not be able to make his videos to be in a video with me. So, but uh, maybe one day a lightning will strike and hitting that bottle again. And me and Rick will be on screen again together. I know a lot of you uh, really like that combination between the two of us. But for today, we have Crazy Nights. We're revisiting Crazy Nights. And this is going to kind of be the way this is going to go with this series. I'm going to throw it back old school a little bit, mix in some audio and video and some posts and some pictures like I did in previous older videos, uh, just kind of bringing some of the old into the new. And I'm going to be re-reviewing the albums with uh, guests and getting what I think about it, us bouncing our thoughts off of each other. Then in the second part of the videos in each in the series, we're going to talk. I'm going to talk about if I was the producer of this album, what I would have done to fix this album, how could I have made it better in my opinions? And these are just my opinions. So don't fill the comments up with hate or you can fill the comments up with hate. I don't care. Love or hate. It doesn't matter. Just hit the subscribe button and, and put the comments down there. Um, and then the last part is going to be where I talk about how I reviewed these songs or how I ranked them. And then how I rank back then and how I rank them now, because some of these reviews are close to four years old. And so my taste has changed. It's definitely changed uh, with this album. I was talking to Rob before we got started. And uh, I have my, this is an album that I didn't buy when it came out. I was listening to Guns N' Roses and other bands during this time. So I have uh, Crazy Nights. And this is one that I bought when I went to review it. And it's still sealed. I've never opened it um, because I thought, well, I can stream it. I really don't have a reason to open it. And so it's remained sealed. And then Rob just told me that the version I have is kind of hard to find. So guess what? It's going to stay sealed. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, and I have that. And Rob, you have yours. You have your Crazy Nights. And it, is it your original Crazy Nights? So I've got the original barcode of mine. So mine is an OG original that you bought in the store back in the day. Wow. 
How old were you when you bought that? Well, um, I was 48 years old. <laughs> my my current age right now so yeah. i found it earlier in a, a used record store oh and so i actually spent a little bit more for it than you know what i wanted but it was the only one that i was really missing from the collection of the studio albums so i was between that and the 2014 release so i had to go with the with the original i'm glad i'm glad i have it yeah so and that's really cool when you find a an original press or something that was originally pressed in 83, 84, 87, mm-hmm. and you find it in a record band, it's almost like you go back in time for a second. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I know you have this, too. We were comparing. Uh, you have the the Crazy Nights, the videos. The videos, yeah. All all three of them on there. My, my I was calling it a hype sticker, but this actual sticker is old enough now. It doesn't stick to the, <laughs> to the box anymore. But, yeah, I wore this thing out. Again, with only three videos, you could kind of, churn through it pretty quick but i just remember just studying it you know back in the day you know and i'm gonna i'm gonna become rick here for just a second but you you have to really love you know bands don't do stuff like this anymore no you know they don't put three videos out on a vhs tape uh you know it's so awesome having a physical medium you know and it's real cool Mm -hmm. seeing bands what they're doing doing the things they're doing like i put on my social media um a few days ago where ace freely's re-releasing his oh, yeah his uh cat- his his catalog not the first couple albums not freely's comment and second sighting but his um catalog he's re-releasing them on cassette and i'm trying to tell everybody that cassettes are coming back and they don't believe me but bands are starting to release their like box sets and they're releasing them on cassette yeah and, I really wish I, those first two albums would have been in there, but I'm pretty sure it was a different record company and yeah. there probably was reasons why they couldn't have them in there. But I really miss physical medium uh, stuff like that. And uh, this is really something really cool to have. I don't think I've ever played it. Uh, oh, really? Because the only VCR I have right now don't work. And it's one I need to work on in one of my repair videos that I'm going to be doing during the winter. So this might be the one once I confirm that the videos uh, that the VCR is going to work and not eat tapes. I might slap this one in. Uh, yeah. Just, the, uh, I, pick, the, I picked this one up used for three dollars. Oh, that's so, not bad. So I yeah. probably paid full price of twelve, thirteen, maybe. I think for again, it's only three. You know, three songs long, but I, I, I know it was over ten. So I'm, <laughs> I'm going to go with thirteen. That sounds about right. Before we get into talking about the songs, we're going to talk about memories about the songs. But before we do that, I'm going to slap some pictures up here for you guys, maybe a little bit of video, whatever YouTube will let me get away with uh, without uh, copyright strikes. And there's going to be sound clips peppered through uh, whatever I can get away with without copyright strikes. Um, but I'm going to talk a little bit about the, um, the, the album here. And I'm going to read just a little bit here. This came from Wikipedia if you want to look it up. And uh, Rob, I'll have videos up. So if you want to take your shirt off or whatever, you know, nobody's going nobody's <laughs> to see it. Um, so Crazy Nights is the 14th studio album by the American rock band Kiss. Uh, recorded from uh, March to June 1987, released September 21st, 1987 by Mercury Worldwide and Vertigo in the UK. This was the second album to feature the lineup of Gene Simmons, Paul Stanley, Bruce Killick, and Eric Carr. The album is notable for featuring 
um, heavy use of pop metal keyboards and synthesizers. Kiss took a different approach in creating the album Crazy Nights uh, to turn around their image after they had a downfall in their music career during the experimentation of the band's music genre uh, and the, and the uh, loss of two prime members. The van had a lot to prove after the decline of success um, since the time of recording Asylum. After Asylum tour had ended, Kiss went on a couple months of hiatus due to Gene Simmons' career as an actor and a producer, which made the band seem like his side job instead of his primary job. For Kissery, Paul Stanley stated that he got tired of Simmons' lack of commitment and, and one day told him, he said, we're in a parking lot one day. And I said, Gene, you look, you're off making these other things while I'm still reaping and still reaping the benefits of the band. And I'm getting screwed. It's not fair to me to be putting this kind of time while nobody else is uh, supposed to, be, while you're supposed to be my partner, but you're not. And Gene looked at him and said, that's fair. So uh, Simmons's temporary departure gave space for Eric and Bruce um, to do more co-writing. Paul Stanley worked with Desmond Child, Diane Warren, and Adam Mitchell. Adam Mitchell to co-write songs. Kiss's previous two albums had been self-produced. The band felt they needed to bring in an outside producer who would help the album achieve more commercial success. Producer Ron Nevison was hired to produce the album. Nevison was chosen from his recent commercial success in producing platinum albums for Hart and Ozzy Osbourne. Nevison describes the efforts of the band members put into the album as, well, this was the only album I did with them. I do know Gene wasn't there all the time. Obviously, Bruce was, and to some extent, Eric. Mostly the majority of the work I did on that album I did with Bruce and Paul. The bass tracks were cut initially, and Gene was only needed for lead vocals. The album was first called Who Dares Wins, which was Cara's idea. They ended up not using it because it didn't look good in print, and it sounded as if no one would understand it. The idea was dropped, but managed to appear on some Japanese advertisements for the upcoming album. Recording sessions started in March at one-on-one -on -one recording studios, but later continued at Rumbo Recorders in Canoga Park and Can-Am Studios in Tarzana, California. In June, the album was completed. It was mixed at Can-Am Recorders by Nevinson before being turned over to Polygram in July. As far as certifications, Crazy Nights was certified gold by the RIAA on 11-17-1987 and platinum on February 18, 1988. It sold over 110,000 copies since the SoundScan era commenced in 1991. As far as performed live, with the band's hope for the Bon Jovi-esque rebirth, 55% of Crazy Nights was performed during the opening month of the supporting tour. Songs included the title track, Bang Bang You, No No No, Hell or High Water, When Your Walls Come Down, and Reason to Live. All right, so that's your history lesson, class. Um, so we're going to talk about these songs, and uh, before we get much into it, since I, I've talked about my history with the album, my history is I have none. Uh, I didn't buy it when it came out, and I bought it when I went to review it, reviewed it, put it away, didn't listen to it again until it come time to do the um, track, the panel of Spoken, put it away, haven't listened to it until it's come back around to do this, and... Uh, you know, it's it's gotten a little bit more play this time around. Uh, so, because I really wanted to be analytical about how I felt about the songs now versus how I felt about them uh, a couple years ago, four years ago. So, Rob, since you have a little bit more history with this album, why don't you talk a little bit about it first before we get into the songs? 
Well, like I said on your previous episode, when the three of us were on here, I came into Planet Kiss during Hot in the Shade. So if I back up just a few years, my best friend at the time had this cassette when it originally came out in September of you know the month we're recording this, the 18th is its 35th anniversary. He got it that Christmas from his grandmother. So it would be the following year in 88. He was like, hey, I got this Kiss album. I still wasn't really into kiss then like i still had like oh that's that that devil band or you know all that nonsense and stuff but i was listening to bon jovi and def leppard and the kind of the crescendo of the hair metal stuff he's like i think you would like this and as friends do when one friend doesn't like something then the other friend goes well i don't like it either and he put it away and we never revisit it fast forward to 89 when hot in the shade comes out we were like, oh, my gosh, hide, hide your heart's amazing. We were kind of going crazy over it. And then he was like, light bulb went off. He's like, I've got crazy nights. And I had a blank moment, like crazy nights. He said, Remember that cassette? So we went back to his house and listened to it. So here we had two Kiss albums. To us, it felt like at the same time, it's just separated, you know, by, by a few years. So those were the two things that we had for quite a while, you know, it's not like kids nowadays would be able just to download or whatever. We had to ask mom and dad. Neither one of us could drive quite at that point. So you only got to the store. So I didn't buy it for a while because, you know, we were making mixtapes. So he's like, okay, I'll copy this. You copy that. So Creatures became the next physical thing that I bought. And eventually I got it on cassette. But for, for that winter, we were listening to hot in the shade and crazy nights in like repeating and we were discovering new things all the time. So the two top players on the top of our lips weren't, you know, Paul and Gene, it was Bruce Kulik and Eric Carr. We're like, Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. Cause you know, I played drums and he played guitar. So that's what we were, we were listening to. So I have fond memories and I kind of have this amalgamation and a mashup of those two albums in some cases, they're one to me when I think about it. And of course I know that they, they sound sonically different and stuff like that. But if I go back in my time machine to when I first discovered the band, we were calling it uh, hot in the shade. Uh, the, these, these crazy nights are hot in the shade or something like that. I forget what silly <laughs> name we had for the, for the two albums. And we would make a mixtape back in those days, kids of those two albums when those are the only two we had. So these songs are like seared into my brain in a way that, a lot of Kiss albums aren't because when you got that first thing and that's the only thing you got, you just play it and play it and play it until, you know, other things go. But so that's my first memory with it is that a uh, winner of 89 and then discovering Hot in the Shade and Crazy Nights. And it was like the, the floodgates were open at that point. That's awesome. Um I, you know, and while you were talking, I kind of was kind of formulating it in my head, just kind of going back and forward, back and forward between these two albums. And and Kiss, they have what I, a lot of what I call bookend albums. Mm -hmm. And for example, like the first Kiss album and Hotter Than Hell are kind of bookend albums. Uh, uh, Rock and Roll Over and Love Gun are kind of bookend albums. Creatures of the Night and Lick It Up are kind of bookend albums. It's like... It's like Kiss was very much in a vein when they was going from one album to another. And very much so, even though they do sonically sound different, uh, Crazy Nights and Hot in the Shade 
very much could be bookend albums. You could really mm-hmm. just flow from one into the other or go or make a mixtape of songs just going back and forward between them. One would just have a little bit more keyboard and one would have a little bit, you know, heavier guitars. But as far as where they were at that time, a lot of these songs are very, very similar to each other. Yeah. So um, I could see that I could see you going back and forth between those two uh, two albums because they do sound very much alike. I love that. Um, so we're going to talk about the songs, and I'm going to, as I say the name, you're going to get a little bit of snippet of the song. Uh, we're going to start off with um, the title track and the opener. Uh, well, it's technically the title track. Uh, this is what, uh, it's, it's one more crazy. Yeah, it's, it's it's a little bit crazier than the <laughs> album. Uh, so this is Crazy Crazy Nights track one. So a little bit of history on each one of these songs before we get into them. Crazy Crazy Nights was the first single from the album and reached number 65 on the Billboard Hot 100, number 37 on Mainstream. I mean, those are, those are respectable, mm-hmm. you know, for a rock song. The song was a massive hit in the UK where it reached number four. And to date is Kiss' highest charting single in the UK, along with God Gave Rock and Roll to You. Crazy Nights went out into the top 40 in Norway, the Netherlands, and Australia. Um, my, I, uh, I've got, I've got my notes because I will ramble if I don't have notes. I have to write my thoughts down. Um, uh, Crazy Nights. I always liked this song all the way back to my partying days, right after high school, uh, when it first came out. And uh, it makes me. That's what it makes me think of. It makes me smile when I hear this song in the grocery store. Thinking back all the way to those crazy parties I attended where this song was played. To me, the song sets the tone for the album. Uh, the following songs may lean more towards the other side of more rocking with more keyboards, uh, which are the sign of the times back then when Kiss decided to follow. They decided to follow those uh, signs, uh, Bon Jovi. Um, but Crazy Crazy Nights is right in the middle of that sounds there's heavier sounds on there's heavier songs there's definitely lighter songs and not lighter as in soft rock but just more mm-hmm. keyboarded keyboard based and everybody was doing it even van halen in 1984 put out a keyboard heavy album that still had rockers on it so i mean you can't short kiss for doing it because even though they might have been following coattails I don't mind when Kiss follows coattails sometimes because they did it with Carnival Souls, and that's one of my favorite Kiss albums. So, you know, yeah. I don't I don't mind when they follow a trend. I don't mind when Kiss imitates. Kiss started their career imitating. They were imitating the New York Dolls, and they were trying to imitate the Beatles. So Kiss started their career imitating. I don't hate them for that. So no. um, Crazy Crazy Nights, though, I think is one of the better songs on the album. Uh, I like it a lot. So what about you? I've always dug the song again, you know, when I, when I first heard it, but even not being a kiss fan, when I first heard the song, I was aware, Oh, that's, that's kiss. Like I knew who it was and I, I could scroll through MTV and I could be guaranteed to see it at some point during the day. It was on the local rock radio station. So it, it wasn't like I was completely oblivious and it was a very easy hum catchy song to do. And I could, I could see and understand why that song was getting popular. I didn't understand why the band was great at that point, but you know, at, at that time, you like, you couldn't not 
hear it. It, it, mm-hmm. it. I wouldn't say it was everywhere, but if you were listening to this genre of rock, you are going to come across it at some point somewhere. Mm-hmm. I kind of hate this album came out at the end of the summer because I kind of remember this album coming out towards the end of the summer. I remember being at a party in the fall. Uh, and it may have even been a Halloween party, and this song came on. This is a summer song. This song yeah. captures the energy of being young, dumb, riding, driving your car too fast, dr- maybe drinking a little too much, maybe being a little underage, doing those types of things. Not that I condone that, but um, <laughs> yeah, we, you know, we all did it. And and this is a, it's one of those songs that this was, this got played at parties, and it's. This is one of those songs that when the keyboard comes in, I'm like, you know, it kind of comes in towards the pre-chorus there. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, this song really don't need it. You know, when you listen to the demo, it's like, I really don't need it. So, but I mean, like I said, they were making they were making choices at the time. We'll talk about what we would fix and what we wouldn't uh, later. But um, yeah. I, I have one other little comment. You mentioned, you know, this is a summer song. And to take the title from another song called Summer Song, Joe Satriani's instrumental summer song, which a lot of his stuff was instrumental, but I'm not saying it's exactly like it. Cause I think they were recorded at, at different times, but there's just this thematic theme that, like you said, it feels like this is a song you should be playing at summer at, at the mm-hmm. summertime. And I kind of akin the two songs sometimes just in the note sequencing, I can kind of hear either crazy nights and summer song, or I can hear, summer song and crazy nights maybe i'm crazy but when you said summer song i instantly could hear like the two like i'm going to try and do a mashup of those two together somewhere because i think they would pair very well okay all right so track number two i'll fight hell to hold you My notes for I've got Hell to Hold You, I've got Adam Mitchell reportedly plays on the song along with Bruce Kulick. Uh, My thoughts on I Fight Hell to Hold You, I admit that the first time I heard this song, I did not care for it. Coming right after Crazy Nights, I got slapped in the face with keyboards. (laughs) And uh, But over time, I have really grown to love this song. It has uh, the guitars high enough guitars it has the guitars high enough in the mix uh bruce's solo is smoking bruce oh man bruce and eric just they slay this album they are the mvps on this album everybody oh totally they're totally the mvps on this album um it's a his solo is a great mixture of flash and melody which his all of his solos are and paul sounds great on it Uh, even though he gets a little high in the rafters during the chorus uh, it's still a great song. And I will tell you, like I said, we're going to talk about how my how my opinions and how my rankings change later. But this is one of those songs that whenever it first started and it hits those keyboards, I, I would be like, oh, man, the first time I heard this song and the stigma just of the keyboards just stuck really hard. But Paul Stanley is a great songwriter. Mm-hmm. He's a master craftsman when it comes to writing songs and song structure and this has become one of my favorite songs on this album. Uh, I love it. Like I said, he gets up in them rafters a little bit in some of these songs. Um, but I thought Hell to Hold You um, is is great. I, I love it. So what about you? One thing that I you'll probably hear me say this a couple times throughout this 
is a lot of the songs have this really brilliant lead intro by Bruce. It's short and sweet, but he's flushing out the melody of the song early on. And this is a prime example of it. his soaring guitar in the beginning of it. And then he's able to interweave that back into the solo later on, even the outro solo that he's playing. And to spoil your VHS release, it is the theme song of the VHS. So every time it like, after one video ends, you'll hear I'll fight hell to hold you. And it'll put the title of like reason to live at the bottom of it. Hmm. So they were using this song. I mean, quite a bit and some promotional stuff, but it's tops in my book on the album. And the keyboards didn't bother me that much because at the time I was listening to this, like I was starting to listen to guns and roses, but a lot of the other artists like cheap trick and Aerosmith and, you know, heart and, stuff that you know ron nevison was known for is Mm -hmm. it was just that late 80s or or mid 80s keyboard driven that's just what everybody else is Mm -hmm. doing so one of the things that will change i think is somebody that's kind of absent on this album had he been there that's a discussion for later time so i I won't go there but i dig the song quite a bit and Mm -hmm. this is probably until we get to revenge one of my favorite bruce kulik solos and that's and that's really where I, I think me being exposed to it now, four years exposed to it, I wasn't there when it came out. I was, you know, I mean, I listened to Crazy Nights. Crazy Nights still, for the most part, was a rocking song. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the, another song we'll get to later that was very popular, and I'll talk about it and and its use of keyboards. How it was fitting to me, uh, the keyboards was fitting. It's the songs that I didn't hear that I heard the keyboards on and whenever I was far removed uh, from the era, you know, listening to them as a uh, a 50-something, 40, 40, late 40-year-old guy rather than an 18-year-old or 19-year-old. And back then, listening to it, if I would listen to it and hearing it stacked up against all the other stuff you were hearing on the radio, like... I can hear Ron Nevinson, some of the things that he did for Heart, I can hear them applying it. There's some of the times where the drums even sound like drums that you might hear might hear on a oh, Heart yeah. album. Yeah, yeah. And, and so it's like he was he was applying what he had done for other bands to hear. You know, there's sometimes he worked with Ozzy. There's sometimes the drums on this album sounds like the drums off of an Ozzy album. Yeah. And, and so just very much commercial sounding, not too light, not too hard, just kind of that safe middle pop type sound. And um, it, like I said, it just kind of slapped me in the face, but it's grown on me. The, the whole the album as a whole has grown on me. I'll say that. So, but now we'll talk about individual songs. Um, track number three is the, the one that... <laughs> When I when I saw the title on the back of the album, I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> but uh, but track number three, "Bang Bang You." I still I still feel like I feel like an idiot saying <laughs> that. that I, my love is like a cannonball, taking aim and you're gonna fall. Yeah. According to Paul Stanley, Bang Bang You is the classic story of boys and their toys. Uh, <laughs> sure. Okay, Paul. Yeah. Um, 
Bang Bang You. I was my thoughts. I was skeptical of this song before I even heard it, just from the title. You have to know I did not hear a lot of these songs until just a couple years ago when I re reviewed them for the album the first time on my channel. And again, just as Without Fight Hell to Hold You, I was not a fan of this the first time I heard it. It's one of those songs that's grown on me, though. Even though I don't think it's as strong as Paul's so other songs on the album, it's a fun song. I wish they would have worked the tracking differently, um, but we'll talk about that later. Um, I'm sitting here going, when I talk about working the track tracking differently, before I talk about my thoughts about the songs, is we are three songs into this album now and no sign of Gene. And, you know, I like Paul and everything, but it's like by this point in time, we were only getting two vocals, vocal performances now, either Gene or Paul. And uh, I was ready for some Gene at this point. Listening to this album, I was ready for some Gene at this point. But Bang Bang You, uh, I think Bang Bang You is is, is funny. I think it's mm -hmm. a, it's one of those fun, you know, and I love the reference, I'll shoot you down with my love gun. I, you know, I like that he throws back to love gun. Uh, I don't have nowhere near as much hate for this song as I did. I don't really have hate for it now. Um, I, I really did not like this song the first time I heard it, but I am, I'm really and fully okay with uh, Bang Bang You now. So what about you? You know, it's funny. This being a, a Latter-day Kiss fan, I didn't get the Love Gun reference until picking up something like Smashes, Thrashes, and Hits. And when we heard Love Gun for the first time, we're like, oh, he's making a reference to Bang Bang You. And somebody was like, no, 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 no. That's not that's not how this was. Till we realized, you know, again, in our small infancy, you know, kiss mind that that came first. But I liked that, that Paul worked that in there. And it's you know very much, as they say, it's a tongue in cheek. This is like two tongues in the cheek, you know, as, <laughs> as bad as that sounds. But there's there's a bit of comedy in the lyrics but it's mm -hmm. not so much that it turns into cheese mm -hmm. uh, you don't hear this word used a lot with kiss but there's enough class in paul's writing that it's not overtly cheesy that you're just kind of going oh man what a horrible song now do i think it's the greatest song right ever done by kiss or the best song in the album not by a long shot but i can appreciate it when we get to the back end there were things i would change and i don't know if I would have played this song live. So. <laughs> I know, I know. Seeing that, that they and they this did song. a lot. <laughs> I'm gonna have to go find that. I'm gonna have to go find some of those because I'd love to see. I'd love if to see this. If live. you've got Kissology, yeah, um, one of the bonus discs. Depending on which version you had, I bought all the best buys. I know the Tokyo Show is on there, so you can find the Tokyo Show. I think on on YouTube, but it's it's definitely played there. And I think it's like song three or song four in the set, which is even crazier. <laughs> well, it was a crazy, crazy night. There you go. <laughs> All right. So track number four, we finally get a Gene song with no, no, no. No, no, no was originally called assume the position <laughs> and later called God love Gene and later called down on all fours. It was based on Kulich's riff, which he and Carr developed into a song in Carr's apartment in New York City, so it could be finished by, um, by Gene. According to Eric, 
I had just set up a double bass drum beat on my drum machine. I got this feeling in my head and it started coming to me, this real staccato stuff for the verse. Um, it's Bruce's favorite song because it's the fastest and most ferocious thing. And it features me a lot. Um, kind of when it comes to no, 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 uh, my thoughts is more like, yes, yes, yes. This song kicks so much booty. Mm. Uh, it's an amazing rocker from the blistering opening solo from Bruce. I mean, that solo, man. I mean, come on. And then Eric coming in with that beat and Gene pulling that, yeah, where he comes in and bringing in that heavy bottom end bass. It's like, why couldn't that bass sound that way through this whole album? Yeah. But that's, that's for, that's for later. <laughs> that's for later. Um, and then just Gene being eighties Gene. I love it. Just, I love eighties Gene. Just love Gene, 80s Gene. Just being eighties Gene with the delivery of the vocals, and later in the song, Bruce delivers a very much eighties metal solo that's amazing. This is one of the songs that I felt bad for not, for having missed for over thirty years. I, we were doing a video, or I don't know if I was in the video with you guys or listening to one of your podcasts because I've done both, and <laughs> the the lines are kind of blurred. Right, right. Um, <laughs> But it's like you guys are my daily hangout buddy. Y'all are my daily hangout buddies until I caught up. Now I got to wait two weeks. <laughs> I know. Uh, Bunch of jerks. <laughs> I know, right? Um, but uh, I think it was Nick that said he there was some, and there was an album that he hates that he missed out on because it was one of the 80s albums. And he yeah. said that he hated he missed out on some of the songs just because he chose not to give it a chance back in the day. And man, that's one thing I like about Nick is me and him uh, are very similar. We're very close to age. He's mm -hmm. a little older than I am, but we both tapped out on kiss about the same time. Even though we were at two different ages, we came in with original, the original lineup and we tapped out about the same time. I think he might've tapped out a little earlier than me. I think so. Yeah. I think uh, he was, he was out right after about Dynasty, I think. See, and I held on through Asylum. Oh, Asylum, okay. Asylum was the last tour I went to see. I did not see the, I did not see the Crazy Nights tour, and I did not see. I didn't buy Hot in the Shade, but I went to the concert just because a friend gave me a ticket. The mm. last, the the concert, but I bought. The dogs are going crazy. There's somebody out in our yard, but um. I bought a ticket and went and seen Asylum. Well, I won tickets to see Asylum, which I was going to go to that anyway. And I bought tickets for Revenge. But these two albums by Kiss, I basically skipped them. Uh, and I absolutely adore Revenge. But that's a re review for another day. Um, but I can't believe that I, I, I went 30 years without hearing this song. And uh, so I love this song. So that's my thoughts on No, No, No. I, I love the song and I, for me, this was like, yeah, this is our Eddie Van Halen kiss moment, which I know some people are like, oh, we didn't need that in kiss. That was in vogue. There's videos of Bruce saying it. It's funny. Like Gene talks out of both sides of his mouth and in one video. He's like, you know, Bruce was playing with his mind. He needs to play with his, you know what? But during this time, they, they said they didn't like Mark St. John, but Mark St. John brought a style that was very in vogue. Mm -hmm. And I know that Bruce was kind of like, Hey, these are the guitar players that are out here. We want you to adapt that into the kiss style. So mm -hmm. this was that first moment. 
I'm not going to say it's on par with eruption because you can't touch that. But with just the hammer-ons and the finger tapping that Bruce was doing, I think for the first time, a lot of Kiss fans were like, oh, our band can do that too. <laughs> I know some people don't like the song. I think it's that, you know, little snot nose Gene Simmons coming out, that 80s Gene that was like, F, you move out of the way, you know. Mm-hmm. He wasn't fully invested in kiss like you said in the opening of it but when he was there there were moments where you were like oh gene why aren't you here doing more more of that so i'm glad he changed the song title or <laughs> bang bang you and his other the other song would have kind of kind of split but this is one you know granted it, it would only make one more tour going into hot in the shade but i really felt if this had been a few years earlier this would have been a gene staple and this song never left the Crazy Nights set list. So this is one I still have a blast playing to. And sometimes I'll actually start with track four to, to start the album because I like the song that much. All right. So next we get to stay with Gene. Now that we got Gene, finally, we get to stay with him a little bit. So the next track is Hell or High Water. I'm gonna get to you. Hell or High Water is a song based on uh, Bruce Kulick's idea and, and a riff that he came up with during the Asylum tour, and Gene wrote the lyrics. Hell or High Water, uh, I put my notes, well, we had to wait till track four to get Gene's, and then we get two in a row. This is a good song. I love the way Gene sings the verses, that whole sultry style, and then he, he it builds during the pre-chorus, and then the gang vocals on the chorus where they're just yelling. Uh, and we get a few good, oh, yes. And, <laughs> get a, you know, I love when Gene throws back to his vocal style. Gene has a way of changing his voice around a little more than Paul does. Gene, <laughs> sometimes he can do that guttily growl. And sometimes he can just sing real sultry and smooth. And sometimes he can sing a little higher. And he's, he's, he's very versatile with his voice when he does put forth the effort. Um, so hell or high water. Uh, I dig it. I, I like this song. I, you hit the nail right on the head for me about Gene. Paul has the best range of the two, but the styles in which Gene is able to sing is really, I mean, he's a, obviously a huge Beatles fan. You hear his solo. I mean, you hear that. So depending on what that song would entail is how Gene would attack and fit the song. And this is one where he kind of blends all three of those different gene voices like the demon voice is kind of there but by the tail end of the song he's in that like you said that guttural Mm -hmm. type thing and again another intro uh solo by bruce and the outro solo is great too so this was another one that i really really dug and back in the vinyl days i was like man we kind of ended this album on a really strong note i want to flip this thing over and see where we go next (laughs) yeah i love it he's he, he starts off that that just so here i am Oh, oh no, no. And then and then by the so time you cool. get to the source, he's like, gonna hold you. I mean, he's just he's he's really pulling it. I love I love when Gene does that. It's awesome. So we're gonna flip the vinyl and we're going to go to track one on side two, my way from Paul. This is another song that I was not a fan of the first time I heard it, even though I know other bands were doing uh, very well in the mid-80s with keyboards. I didn't feel like them being so high in the mix on on this song was really good. Uh, it's not their, 
they're not as high on the demo. At least I don't think they are. It could just be mm-hmm. the quality of the demo, but I, it's the demo just seems to be a little more more guitar driven. The keyboards on this song were soaring, and this is really the song that the keyboards really get to me the most. Uh, and I want to enjoy this song, but I just don't like the way they sound, uh, you know, in this song. And initially, I did not like the song at all. I was like, I hate this song. And I would, <laughs> uh, but it, it has grown on me. I love the verses. I love when Paul drops down that, oh, the heat is on and your back's <laughs> against the wall. And even in the pre chorus where he, I'm never gonna, you know, I don't know the words exactly, yeah. but where he kind of, well, kind of, he kind of starts stepping it up, like you said. Um, I love the verses. I love the melody of the song. Like I said, Paul, you can't slight him on on his songwriting. I'm not a fan of the chorus and how how high Paul gets and the keyboards seem to come up even more. The solo is really good, but again, it's Bruce and Bruce is always good. Um, I think this song was very th- therapeutic for Paul during this time, but with Gene running off and producing bands and trying to be a Hollywood star, a lot was falling on Paul. And thankfully he had, had help from Bruce, Eric and Desmond child. But yeah, you listen to this song. This is basically Paul's kind of like, Hey, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it my way. And, and, um, kind of like that was kind of Paul's, uh, it's a little stab at Gene in, in a way. Um, yeah. but, uh, you know, where it falls for me still, we'll find out a little bit later, but what about you for my way? I actually really love the song, but a lot of people do. I seem to be, I, I love on, the... I seem to be on the opposite of what everybody is about this song i mean i i will agree i think it's the overall feeling of the whole entire album with the keyboards and stuff like that this really feels like a paul stanley solo album song if he was going to do a solo album song that or a solo album in this era like okay gene's busy doing 12 movies or whatever i'm going to do a solo album bruce and eric you guys do whatever we'll reconvene in 89 or something like that. Mm-hmm. So this feels like that would have been that type of thing that he would have done. So the fact that another song is not on the album, I, I, I love this song a lot. I love the, you know, that you can do it. You can do it your way. I love the, the message that's in the song. I can also get it where some people may have issue with it, but Paul is like, this is a song where he, I think I've got in one of my books that he was thinking, how high can I sing on the song? Like he was purposely doing it and taking each verse and chorus. I think Ron Nevison was even saying things like, okay, I don't think we need that. He's like, no, no, I can, I can go, I can do more. So he Mm -hmm. was really stretching it on purpose to go, okay, there wasn't a Gene Simmons sitting in there going, okay, let's rein it in Paul. So just like you said, this is Paul going, well, if I'm going to do this album, I'm going to do it my way and no one else is going to tell me no. So I think, it has a place in my heart for that. And then just the message that you can find those inspirational songs to do like a, a mixtape of your own or whatever. This is a song I would put on there. Cause it, it, it kind of makes you feel good. So I think I love it just, just for that. But yeah, the keyboards are really, really strong. <laughs> I know. Yeah. It's like, it's like in your face. Yeah. Keyboards. Right. <laughs> it's like, 
All right, so we're going to go on to the next track, another Paul song, When Your Walls Come Down. When your walls come down. When your walls come down. When your walls come down is another song based on Bruce's riff that he came up with during the Asylum tour. And Paul had the chorus. And with Mitchell's assistance, the song was finished, Adam Mitchell. Uh, when Your Walls Come Down is... Uh, it's not a bad song. Uh, Bruce plays well, as always. I like the verses and the pre-chorus. I like when Paul, the whole, he's, through the whole song, he's like, and, <laughs> but, you know, it's kind of. By the Fenju key. Yeah, it just keeps going. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love that. Um, another great but short Bruce Kulik solo overall, the song is a good song, but it, it kind of approaches, it feels a little fillerish mm -hmm. uh, to me yeah. um, it's not terrible but it's not one of paul's uh better songs on the album and it just also it, a lot of these songs uh it has a this sounds like it could have been in a movie somewhere could have been in a montage somewhere or something a lot of a lot of kiss songs in the 80s they have that feel to them and yeah. uh when your walls come down is uh is is one of those songs but i still think it's i think it's a really good song yeah, and this was one I, I always enjoyed playing through. I don't want to say it's, I mean, I say I like it, but also say it's forgettable. But when I'm into it, like I was just going to bring up the whole and as he starts going through, mm -hmm. I feel as we start getting through the back half of this album, Paul is starting to ramp up what he wants to try and do vocally. Just as the vocal line is just going up and up, I just, it, it makes me go, oh, that's a really good song. But after the song's over, it kind of leaves my mind for a little bit. Like you said, the what Bruce and Eric are doing in the song is great, but it's not something that sticks with me until I'm actively listening to it. Yeah. All right, so that's going to take us to the next track. Another Paul song, Reason to Live. And for Reason to Live, Paul recalled when he played Reason to Live demo to Simmons, I remember calling up Gene and playing it to him on the phone. I played the song to Gene, and obviously you would have thought a bomb had gone off on the other end. He was speechless. <laughs> Stanley was okay with having a power ballad on a Kiss album, uh, which he first started with I Still Love You on Creatures of the Night. Uh, he also said if a band was to be honest, they would tell you that at the time, the only hope for airplay was a ballad. Music video directed by Marty Colner was made and featured Playboy Centerfold Eloise Brody. Reason to Live reached 64 on the Billboard Hot 100, number 34 on Main Street Rocks, and number 33 in the UK. The song also managed to chart in the Netherlands, reaching 89. The music video was a big hit on MTV in early 1988, regularly appearing as a top requested video on dial mtv and yes i remember this video well it's a great video i remember seeing it on mtv quite a bit and uh i love what this video did for kiss and what it did for this album and mm -hmm. yeah they're right ballads ballad power ballads back there today you think that uh you think that a band don't need a power ballad check out guns and roses with with uh um sweet child of mine mm -hmm. check out guns and Check out Guns N' Roses with November Rain. I was just going to say that, yeah. It, 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 
power ballots. Uh, Skid Row, you know, Skid I remember Row. you. I, I remember I'll, you. I'll be there for you. Bon Jovi, Def Leppard, Love Bites. I mean, Slaughter, Fly to the Angels. Everybody, everybody had them. They would have been stupid not to put a song oh, yeah. like Reason to Live on this album. They would oh, have yeah. been stupid not to do it. And it probably wouldn't have went platinum had they not did it. Probably because not. between Crazy Nights and Reason to Live, you had the you had the party song that the guys could get into, and you had Reason to Live that the guys got into because the girls were getting into. Yeah. I have so, sheet music here somewhere that's written for a piano. I just now dawned on me. I didn't bring that. But I remember taking that to a recital in high school and having somebody play it and me singing it in a in a vocal competition. And the teacher going, This this is a kiss song? I was like, Yeah. Yeah. So it, I was like, and it's a chart topping single by the band. Um, my notes on this is this is another song I'd originally heard. Uh, I'd seen the video quite a bit and probably heard it at a party or on the radio back in 88, 87, 88. I've always loved this song, even with the keyboards, because the keyboards fit this song. Yeah. Um, the sound of the keys just fits. I always did like the video for this song, The Chick's Hot. <laughs> <laughs> Gene, and and Gene in these videos, go back and watch these videos. Gene in these videos is like this. That's the only face he's got. Yeah. Anytime it cuts on him, and you know they got his eyes highlighted, and he's just. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and Gene cracks me up in these. Um, He's just making that blank, seductive style face to the camera through the entire video. And uh, the one thing I love at the end of this video is they've got this car where she's throwing the gasoline all over. It was probably water. And then if you freeze frame it a little bit like you can on YouTube, you find that they actually blow up like a little model car. Yeah. And it's like in like five frames of the video. It's like, and it's gone. Because they blew up a little while. They definitely didn't blow up that car. They didn't right, have right. that budget. So, um, But the solo in this song is great. It's short and to the point. And, man, it's good. It just it shows you how Bruce don't need a bunch of bars to show you how no. good he is. He, he, can, he can do it fast. He can do it real fast. And so uh, I love Reason to Live. It's one of my favorite songs uh, on the album. Yeah. I remember buying a cassette back in the day that ironically had um, a black Sabbath song, no stranger to love that has Eric singer on drums. And that was like song three on side two reason to live was the second song on this little, you know, songs of the eighties type deal or whatever <laughs> that you could get for a, a diamond does at a record store. But this was a big pull to buying this VHS tape that by the time, you know, we saw hot in the shade, videos and stuff you know they weren't going back and showing you tears are falling right. so to to see this and to get to see these videos i mean and if i pull this out i can that's what she said um <laughs> you can see that i'm in the middle of this i have this queued up for reason to live yep, reason so to live. whenever whenever the last time that i watched this was like i always rewound it to that because it's one of my favorite songs off of the album and uh and I liked seeing Bruce Kulick behind the keyboards and go, mm -hmm. oh, he's playing keyboards on this. Then yeah. he just kind of steps out around the uh, mm -hmm. the keyboard and lays down the solo. And it's just, it just, I, I love this song. Spoiler alert, this might be my favorite song off the album. <laughs> but yeah, this is this is really good. Yeah. 
This I love this song too, but it's almost like if and imagine this. Get get with me on this. Imagine this song, but it's not Paul Stanley singing. It's it's uh, Ann Wilson from Heart. Oh yeah, it could be a heart song. You know, easily, I mean, easily, because the whole sound of the song it opens with drums, like yeah. like a heart song of a time. Which I mean, Eric Carr mm-hmm. is fantastic on this. This was for, oh, yeah. one of the first licks I learned to play behind the kit because I thought it's simple to me. It seems simple enough, and I could watch the video and realize he's going do do do. You know, I could mm-hmm. I could see it and hear it. But yeah, that you put Ann Wilson in here and all I want to do is make love to you. And I've got a reason yeah. to live for it, you know? Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Totally. But it's a great song. I love it. Love it. All right. So after that, we go back to Jean for good girl gone bad. She's a good girl gone bad. One kiss good girl gone bad was written by Jean and friend, uh, David Sigerson. Probably said that wrong. And his songwriting partner, Peter Diggins, uh, whom Simmons never met. The song was lyrically based on something obvious from Simmons' uh, community college period. A young lady who Jean went to college with, a girl, started out as a demure, a demure virgin and coy and unclaimed, then met up with the tongue. <laughs> the only sad thing about the tale is that when she did finally give it away, it was in the back seat of a car with someone else, a friend of Jean's, in fact. Um, so good girl gone bad. That's the inspiration. Uh, the opening riff sounds like a throwback from the seventies. That yeah, just, just before, before that comes in. Just for the guitar solo and the keys come in at the very beginning, it reminds me of the opening riff of Radioactive. Before yes. it's that kink, 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 kink. Yep. That's exactly what I was going to say. I'm glad I'm not the only one that thought that. Yes. <laughs> That's what I love. I love It's like, I hear that too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I could see this on the Gene 70 solo with less production and no keys. Uh, this song um, falls to me in the same class as When Your Walls Come Down. It's not a bad song. Uh, it's not the best that Gene has to offer. But I do like this. I like the way Gene delivers. I like when he goes into that melodic pre-chorus and then he does it kind of again, a little extended kind of towards the end of the song after the solo. It kind of He's kind of floating there and it kind of goes into like this halftime type thing. And I, I really like it. It's got enough differences and dynamics. Uh, it's just... The bones that it's built on are a little weak. Uh, but I think for a song that Gene was putting minimal effort into this album, to have a song like Good Girl Gone Bad, I think it's it says something um, for, for Gene. So you can only imagine what we could have gotten out of him had we had the 100% of his effort or what this album oh, would yeah. sound like. Like you said earlier, how this album would have been cohesively together had we had a little bit more Gene and you know, not just a huge influence of Paul and Nevinson. Yeah. So, so um, but I like good girl gone bad. I, I do too. It's one of my favorite tracks of, of this era for Gene. I know people kind of view Gene as kind of being weak in the eighties. And I can see that into your point, like the effort he was putting on revenge and carnival. Mike, I, I can hear this song and go, 
this could be another great Gene Simmons song, but it's, it feels like he came in, he had the idea, recorded it, and, well, I'm off to L.A. to go do blah, blah, blah with Tom Selleck. See you guys. I got to wear a bustier in the next you know, movie mm -hmm. playing the evil henchman woman thing, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> that being said, I do really enjoy the song. Um, it, behind No, 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 this is, you know, my second favorite track by Gene. There's not much he's given us on this album, but there's enough there, like you said, that you just go, it's a really good song. This could have been a great song had he just spent a little bit more time with it. That being said, I dig it. So, mm -hmm. all right. So the next song, next to the last track, is Turn On The Night. Turn On The Night was the third single off the album. The music video directed by Marty Colner was made in Worcestershire, Worcestershire, Massachusetts on January 27, 1988. Turn On The Night only charted in the UK where it reached number 41. Um, this is one of those songs that everybody who's everybody that was a Kiss fan during this time, except for me, knows this song, mm. loved this song. Yes. I, had, I had never heard this song or saw the video until I reviewed this album. And, and then I went back and I was like, Oh, they made a video for this. And I started watching it and I was like, Oh yeah, I totally missed this one. And, uh, it's one of those songs that, uh, just my, 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 um, my notes, another song I not heard, listened to till I had to review it. At first I was a little turned off by the fact that the keys are very heavy. And mm. at the beginning, it sounds like a sped up version of Bon Jovi's She Don't Know Me. That you know that yeah yeah so but it, it starts off it's that has that has that same little chord progression um right there at the very beginning um but I've grown to like this song good melodies it's a fun song Bruce has a great but short radio friendly solo and the gang vocals on the chorus Gene's serious faces in the video just kill me he's he, once again. Everybody's dancing around, having a party, and Gene's like... There's Gene, serious face Gene. Serious face Gene. <laughs> um, uh, I admit that um, by this time, the album feels like it's a very much an 80s Paul Stanley solo album. And I love that you mentioned that earlier, because by this time, it's like there. this is a very Paul Stanley heavy album. And it is very much stuff that Paul would sound like if he was to have made an album without the three or four Gene tracks that's on it. Yeah. It would have been a Paul Stanley solo album. It could have been live to win just a few years earlier. Yes. Um, so it would have been an eighties version of live to win or whatever. And, uh, but you know, it's one of those songs that I was like, man, I can't believe I've missed this song all these years. Cause it's a party song. Turn on the night, man. Is that, that's exactly what you want to do at a party. I can't wait. Can't wait any longer. So uh, I like Turn On The Night. It's definitely grown on me. A lyric that I always used to miss here, I thought Paul was saying, yeah, hey, Dave. And I read it and goes, oh, yeah, hey, babe. So for <laughs> the longest time, my friend and I were always going, yeah, hey, Dave, you know, was our little like inside joke with the song. This I've always said, I, my one of my favorite words on our show is this is criminal, meaning this is criminal. This song was not huge. This song should have been played. I would have rather, as much as I love Crazy Nights, I would have rather had this song 
be the leadoff single for the mm -hmm. album. This totally feels like an album closer. I think it is sequenced in the wrong in the wrong spot because I feel mm -hmm. like, hey, it's the, the album's over. It's that good of a song. Mm -hmm. Bruce Kulick last year started playing it during the Kiss Cruises, played it at Creatures Fest, uh, played it at his New Year's Eve show was his closing song. It's it's just it's the I'm going to use a word here. I'm probably going to get booed for it is the greatest kiss song that never really was. Yes, it got a video for it barely charted and it was mm -hmm. quickly forgotten by the band never played live. So I just downloaded a, a bootleg of the night that this was recorded. Does the band even play it live? Nope. They lip sync it for the video with all the with the crowd and then they proceed on with the rest of the concert. They don't even play it live at the show that they're at for the people. It's just played over the PA. It never gets a live performance. So until late 2021 into early 2022, it's never played live other than maybe like at a Kiss Cruise or recently by by Bruce. I love this song this much. Mm -hmm. And yes, it's very keyboard heavy, but I yeah. I, I love it. Yeah. Um I love and Paul and there's a there's a melody he does in it where he's uh the pre-courses Paul's pre-courses on this album are just phenomenal because mm -hmm. there's where he does the like I said I don't know the words but that melody where he's like da -na 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 -na, I got, I got what you need powerful love yeah I mean that's a great 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 it's yeah, thought, the fact that you can that. hum that like yeah. that, it 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 is it sticks, and yeah. that makes me go, guys, you missed a huge opportunity yeah. with the song. I think that I think I agree with you. I think that it should have been the lead off, but I think what killed this, um, I don't know how many months it was into it, but man, during the eighties, if for people that was not alive during that time, from eighty four, five, six, seven, eight. Those years in the middle of the 80s, there was so much material getting released. Oh, there was man. albums on you'd go to the record store and you'd buy four or five CDs or four or five cassettes. I mean, just you could to buy keep up. Michael Jackson, Bon Jovi, Def Leppard, Kiss, Hart, Phil Collins, Bobby Brown, you know, was like it, Debbie Gibson, like it, you're just inundated with so much. So Casey Kasem's top 40 could have all of that. So mm -hmm. if you don't got something that is a bona fide hit right off the get go, and this mm -hmm. is the third song released from the album and the latter part of 88, which I think also hurts the album. It's at the mm -hmm. tail end. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have the width and breadth of, you know, eight months that, you know, Bobby Brown's album did that just dominated the charts right. until, you know, Michael came right. in with bad, but right. Oh yeah. And I remember one that, cause during this time I was dating one, my first serious girlfriend and you had Bobby Brown truth about Roni and he had, Oh uh, yeah. Uh, Mariah, Don't be cruel. Mariah Carey's first album. Oh, that's Mariah right. Carey's first album was a beast. And I will go on record and say that I love that album. I mean, Ditto. Um, Mariah Carey's our first there. album was a beast. the the um the last song on the album, Vision of Love. Oh my gosh, 
Treated me kind. And that it's the last song on the album, which is traditionally the album killer. Like nobody makes it to the end of the album, and that's a number one hit. Come on. Yeah, it's I mean, that album was stacked so deep. It made Mariah who she was, you know. We wouldn't have had all all I want for Christmas is you had we not had that first album. Yeah. So, you know, she's dusting that song off. She makes so much money during this time of year whenever that song gets played. But um Getting back to getting back to um, turn on the night, I think it being re- released so late in in you know the album was getting so long in the tooth, people are like, "What crazy? They, that album still they were still releasing songs from that album." Mm-hmm. But I think that also uh, "Reason to Live" was so huge that yeah. it kind of overshadowed anything that was going to come after something. The only way they could have, I think they could have guaranteed having three charting albums in the U S was had they maybe released turn on the night first. Yeah. Then, then released, then released uh, reason to live. And then I think they could have released crazy nights. I think so too. I think crazy nights would have been strong enough to be a hit following the heels of reason to live. Yes. Because you had a summer song, and then a and then a ballad, and then oh, we're going to give you another summer song. So, yep. um, you know, sometimes it's just it's about when songs get released, and then the order they get released. It really determines whether they're whether hits or not. We don't really know what was on the charts at the time that turn on the night was having to go up against. So yeah. You know, so. All right, so that brings us to the last track on the album from Gene. Thief in the night. Thief in the night was first recorded by Wendy O. Williams in her 1984 solo album. Wow, rest in peace, Wendy. Mm-hmm. Um, an amazing artist, amazing theatrical artist. Um, you know, she had an album that was basically almost a Kiss album with her with her singing. <laughs> One of her yeah. albums was. So many people from Kiss was on it. Um, this song to me sounds like something I've heard before. Maybe another Kiss song, it it it's which isn't a stretch because it's from Gene, but I can't quite put my finger on it. What it sounds like um, at first, I thought it was "Dance All Over Your Face" from "Lick It Up," but that's not it. The only way I can explain this song is to me, it sounds like almost every other last track of the album um, song for Gene, like on the Eighth Day Murder and High Heels, for example. It's not mm. a bad song. Has a killer solo from Bruce. Overall, this is another good uh, girl gone bad type song. I don't like that they put this at the end of the album because I'd like to see this album in stronger than with the song "Thief in the Night." Uh, but, but like I said, it's not. A, I don't hate it. It's just I think it's probably the weakest of the Gene songs on this album. Yeah. At least the way it's presented on this album. So, um, what about you? I, I mean, I, I don't want to repeat everything that you just said, but it's, I, I literally, I literally feel like that. It's the, it's the last of the songs. And the only thing I can say was I liked turn on the night so much that I would, it took me a while to play, to finish the album. And by finish the album, I mean, one song I was quickly like, eh, all right. And then I was kind of off to something else. I'd pull the cassette mm-hmm. out and put something in. So it wasn't until CDs came around where it was like, okay, I have all the cassette kiss cassettes now need all the kiss cds so getting it i was starting to really listen to it when the you know remasters 
came out mm-hmm. and uh, I started going, I actually kind of really like this song. But by that time, it was what 2000, whatever, or no, 97, I think is when these started coming out. And uh, I was like, I didn't give this song a, a fair shake when I first, you know, started listening to it in, in 89. So, you know, it wouldn't be that long till I start to appreciate it. But that being said, everything you said was just kind of like, okay, if there was anything where Gene's really phoning it in, it's it's this one. This kind of feels like, oh, I've, I've got one more for the album, you know, mm-hmm. where Gene's like, oh, I have been typically ending all of our albums lately. So I feel like it was kind of like that. So I don't want to poo-poo it too much. It's <laughs> it's good, but it's it's the it's the weakest of the bunch in my book. All right. So before we move on to the next section where I talk about production changes, because I am going to, and part of, the, part of the thing that I would do uh, with reworking the album or let me fix this album is possibly swap some of the songs out that were originally demos. <laughs> um, and uh, so I want to talk about some of the other released, unreleased songs. Um there were a few other unreleased songs that were recorded for the album, but not included. Um, Kulik, Child, and Stanley wrote a song called Sword and Stone that did not manage to get on the album because Nevinson was not thrilled with the song. Bruce later said, I really feel bad that Ron didn't like that song because it would it could have been on Crazy Nights, but I couldn't control that. And the demo is out there in bootleg forms. It's pretty good. <laughs> We did it at Electric Lady with Eric Carr, and it's a full-blown Kiss track, practically. I actually came up with the riff backstage on the tour early on on Asylum. That's what happens. Paul didn't mind as much, but uh, felt I felt pretty bad about it. The song was offered to Canadian rock band Loverboy and was re-recorded by their lead guitarist, Paul Dean, on his 1988 album, Hardcore. The song was also recorded by a German heavy metal band called Bonfire for a Rest Craven movie called Shocker. Um, Karin Simmons and Mitchell wrote a song called Dial L for Love. Carr, who sang the song, was the primary writer. He later passed it to Simmons and Simmons, who completed it. Uh, as Carr stated, the song wasn't very good at the time, so it didn't get on the album. A demo was made, but it did not include completed vocals. An instrumental recording of Dial L for Love would be released on the Unfinished Business album in 2011 you're are you always this hot is a song that was written by gene and mitchell it's unique because it has not yet been found in collector circles nor re-recorded by another artist but you can find it on youtube now Uh, in the 1980s simmons had the ritual of making new songs based on some older songs or simply spoken he recycled them uh and are you always this hot is one of them it was first written by mitchell in 1981 the song Time Traveler was recorded during these sessions and later released on a 2001 Kiss box set. Some of the other songs were written for the album but never made it were Boomerang, X Marks the Spot, Scratch and Sniff, What Goes Up, Hunger for Love, Dirty Minds, No Mercy, although Boomerang would later be featured on Hot in the Shade. The dreaded Boomerang, which, <laughs> I, which I happen to freaking love. But anyway, that's a, that's a, that's a, story, that's a story for another video. All right, so... Um, Overall, and I don't know, I want you to just kind of chime in what you think here, uh, my production notes, and you could be my co-producer. Um, Got it. Overall production notes, um, listening to this, I would use for pretty much all across the board, 
Um, more guitars, less keyboards, bass definitely louder in the mix, more balls on the drums, not just Gene and Paul on vocals. I would have liked to have seen at least two songs that could have been Eric or Eric and Bruce. Um, that's just overall uh, skeleton. Crazy, crazy nights. Uh, I have no big issue with this one. If the band was going to use keyboards, this is about the mix I would like for them to be. This song is more of a party than a rocker. It's got a great lead-off track, and I definitely would have included it on the album. So anything you would have done different with Crazy Crazy Nights? I wanted more bass from this. I think, you know, I think, what was his name? Juan Bouvier might have been playing bass. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Bruce probably actually plays the majority of bass if Paul isn't slipping in there. I don't like think you said, I don't think Gene actually plays any bass at all. And if you watch the music videos, it doesn't look like he knows what he's doing on the bass. You know, he's a pit guy. And, and then in every video, he's always fingering. I'm like, you don't play that way. Why are you why are you miming like that? Um, yeah, just more drums. And again, as much as I love Hot in the Shade, it's sad that Little Caesar was the first vocal performance at on his last Kiss album. That To me, there's no reason why Eric shouldn't have had a vocal, uh, a vocal handout at, at some point if or to work on, you know, his lyrics as it were. But I think this would have been a perfect album. Um, I'm trying to remember what song you said, uh, like reason to live. I, you said like Ann Wilson, I almost kind of said I could have heard Eric mm-hmm. do this song. I think this mm-hmm. would have been a good vehicle for him to do, but yeah, you mm-hmm. your production notes are spot on. You probably could have pulled the keyboards back a little bit. Right. Um, you've got, you know, a dichotomy where my way is all keyboard heavy and, Crazy Nights is kind of right in there, and the other songs kind of filter in and out. So I would have had like a cohesive, like, what's the percentage of keyboards that we're going to have on this album? Mm-hmm. Then every song needs to have that amount, no more, no less. Mm-hmm. But yeah. with Gene not being there, Paul just was kind of like, yeah, we're going to do this. And Ron just obliged to it. Right. If Kiss was going to pull a uh, pull a card out of Bon Jovi's deck, then they should have studied Bon Jovi a little a little bit uh, more cl- a little bit more cuz bon jovi what they were really good at was they were good at making the keyboard mix with the other instruments and yes. when they did bring the keyboard to the forefront like at the beginning of let it rock it sounded metal like that keyboard at the beginning of let it rock oh my gosh that oh god i mean i love that and that's that. To me, that's the problem sonically with the album. They don't have a keyboard player. They're not right. used to playing with the, a, a keyboardist in like David Bryan that like Richie would say, okay, this is my part. We're going to double this part that those two work together. This is an album mm-hmm. where they're like, hey, let's throw a xylophone on the album. Mm-hmm. Like you're not a xylophone player. You're not a keyboard player. Maybe kind of keep that off and use the keyboard as a supplement to mm-hmm. adding with vocal harmony or just enhancing what the guitar part does instead of replacing what the guitar part does. Yeah. Yep. So I agree with that. We'd be, we'd be good pro- co-producers at this point. Uh, I thought I'll fight hell to hold you less keyboards would have been great. It's a good song with nice lyrics. I would have included it. The only thing I would, like I said, over, other, over, other than the overall scoping, getting a little bit different, the bass pulled up in the mix and the drums having a little bit different, non-commercial, just in the background 
sound because the drums almost you you lose track of the drums sometimes because the, the the sound in the mix of the drums is just so generic mm-hmm. they're not they're not pulled back of the mix they're there it's just they're almost like wallpaper they're just you you don't really notice them sometimes unless eric really does something phenomenal and that's kind of a shame because eric is such a great drummer and he does some great drumming on this album i just think that they should have been maybe not mixed differently but just somehow engineered with different sounds and different effects to just basically change the sound of them make them a little more rock and a little less pop um but with i fight held to hold you i think this would have been a great song had they just pulled the keyboards down a little bit mm. yep um bang bang you i like this song no issue with the level of the keyboards i like how they sound they sound like horns uh which i think is cool it gives a it gives a different texture to the song and i'm perfectly okay with them um so i would have i would have included bang bang you on my album as well i would include mm. it if i held to hold y'all know if i said that um no, no, no. This is one of the few rockers on this album. Gene delivers. Bruce and Eric blister. I would not make a change, not one change. I think the drums sound good on it. The guitars sound good on it. It's the only song that Gene's bass sounds really good. It's got that, 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 yes. that yep. slapping real fat bottom to it. Um, and I, I think I think this song's great. I'd include it and I wouldn't change anything about it. Ditto, ditto. Uh, Hell or High Water, great song. Gene's vocals are on point. The gang vocals in the chorus is great. I would include it. I wouldn't change too much about it. Uh, Like I said, overall, then the overall global, fixing the bass a little bit, fixing the drums a little bit. But that's pretty much understood at this point with any of my assessments of these songs is I would have fixed the drums and the bass pretty much through the whole album. Uh, But uh, I think the mix on Hell or High Water is great. Gang vocals is a bonus. I, they really nailed the gang vocals, and they really oh, yeah. nailed they nailed uh, Gene Gene's performance is is outstanding. I wouldn't change his performance at all on this. What about you? You feel? Oh, I, I I I I feel the same way. Again, like a, a, a lot of the big things I'll, I would say on this are just bass and drums throughout the album. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. this is the one where I think it it's the best bass and drum mix because this very much is is gene really trying to produce this one where his hands probably in it the most of any of the songs on the album and you can kind of tell that the bass is up in the mix the drums are up in the mix but what's really missing is a lot of eric's cymbal work is Mm -hmm. almost non-existent in some points and Mm -hmm. some you can hear the ride cymbal and others you're like i can't tell if it's a ride that he's playing if it's a crash that he's playing Mm -hmm. or it's the hi-hat that's open i don't i don't hear a lot of definition in his upper upper level frequency so i would have tried to bring that out or wherever they recorded the drums was not mixed or it's really compressed yeah yeah you kind of feel like the eq on this album is bass is down here then they bring up the middle and the middle it's very middle and then whenever they go and whenever they go to the whenever you start getting to the highs of the symbols and the definition of that then it drop. they've got it cut again so oh, yeah. you just got that big that big hump with the big middle in it and it kind of comes off as a little flat sometimes yep um so hell or high water that's uh i would include that my way although this song has grown on me the verses especially they're entire too many keys for my liking the demo is better and rawer 
and uses guitars for the main riffs and just uses the keyboards for accents. I, I, I like that. If I was going to include this song on the album, I would include it that way. But this is one that I would probably cut. I, I don't think I'd include this on the album. You're probably not going to agree with me on that. <laughs> um, but I would have cut it and just had 10 tracks or replaced this with Paul's demo Time Traveler. If I was going to keep my way, if me and your butt heads over it and I was like, okay, we'll keep my way, but let's just make it a little heavier and, uh, and, but let's put, or if we're not going to do it, then let's put time traveler, uh, on, on the, on the album. Um, so what do you think about my way? I'm real curious. What would you do? What would you do to, what would you do to fix it? Would you include it? If if you you and I are like, I, I would include it. Okay. So in order to include it, I'm going to. Concede to your all right. We're gonna take the keys out of it, Bruce. Let's double some guitars, fatten it up a little bit. Gene, get your butt in here, <laughs> and let's add some more bottom end and get Paul album. and get Paul out of the rafters. Talking yeah. down, talking yeah. down. <laughs> I don't think just you, just because you can sing that high, don't mean you need to. <laughs> I feel like the George Costanza. Was that wrong? Should I have not done that? I gotta tell you. If I if I had known that was wrong, I wouldn't have done it. I feel like I feel like that's Paul. So yeah, I in order to keep the song, I would I would have probably gone with the demo. And yeah. thickened up the demo, but not mm-hmm. don't add more onions to the soup. It's fine. I don't want to right. cry anymore. All right. Next, when your walls come down, I've got great song. Guitars needed to be higher in the mix and crunchier. I would make it more like the demo. The demo is really, really more rough because it is a demo, but it's just, it's rough in the way that it's, it's crunchier in a way. Um, you, this is definitely the one that you could tell they're like either, either Paul or, or uh, Nevinson was like, yeah, let's include this. But let's fill in a lot of the gap. Let's let's just use the keyboard as spackle and just fill in all the cracks that we can and fill in Gene's absence that we can um, with When Your Walls Come Down. You know, he starts off with that liar, liar with your pants on fire. He comes yeah. in blazing. So so make if it's an angry song where you're angry about something and you're going to be doing this building and but and you're going to be dri- driving it this way. And then finally get to when your walls come down and be having, you know, you get a little bit of that, but it's just that you need something that just the music don't fit the song as far yeah. as the sound and the texture of the music. It doesn't fit the song. Now I know we're not going to do this on our show. So I get to do it and play with this here. <laughs> as much as I like this song, I would remove it from the album because there is a far superior song in sword and stone. I feel the power This is how you kick off this side. If I'm looking at this correct. Yeah. When your walls, when your walls come down, you start off with crazy nights and you come in with sword and stone. And when you read that about the bonfire, I have the bonfire CD that I bought because Mm -hmm. we were watching the West Craven shocker movie. And here's a little tangent for you real quick. 
the song Shocker, we heard Paul Stanley's voice on it. We thought, is this an unreleased Kiss song? And then Sword and Stone, we heard that in the movie. And watching the credits, we're like, Paul Stanley, Bruce Kulick, we're like, what album is this on? And to know it never got played and it was even possibly decided for Hot in the Shade and still didn't make it, it deserves to be on this album. So this is the song I would jettison to like everything that you were saying producing wise mm-hmm. rather than try and fill a, a pothole and i'm not saying the song's horrible because i really right. do like it you have a much better song in the can exactly that that you're just purposely not using and the facts that never made it on the box set is even more of a crime but still mm-hmm. yeah i i would everything that you wanted to do i'm telling you brant no <laughs> put right. that song in the can we're putting sword and stone in its place i'd probably agree with you on that i didn't put it in my notes but i probably agree with you on that um okay so um next song reason to live honestly this one's perfect yeah even the amount of keys it's an 80s ballad it should have keys so i would include it definitely yep no reason change to live. reason yep. to live, no change good girl gone bad gene is good in this one it's a weaker song uh it could have maybe been sang by eric or bruce yeah or, repl- or replaced with an Eric or Bruce song or another Gene demo, um, this album could have used at least one or two songs with vocals other than Gene or Paul. But I would still, I would still include this one, or possibly, um, I got later on down in my tracking. I would, po- this is one I would possibly replace with a demo. You mentioned about, you mentioned about Eric. Uh, on the last album he was on, he finally got a vocal. Uh, but what about the what about the the song that Bruce finally got a vocal with? Oh yeah, with with at the end of uh, "I Walk Alone" the end of Carnival Souls closing. I mean that song is epic. Yeah, and, you know well, I know that we'll get into reviewing that someday, and I would love to review that with you because I know that's a big Ditto. one for you, mm-hmm. and it's a big one for me. But um, man, it's like you had you hear these guys' voices. Yeah, they might not be as strong as jeans or Paul's, they might not, but, but neither was Peter or Ace. Right. But it's a change. It's a change. It's variety. It's something to shake it up to to where you're just not Gene, Paul, Gene, Paul, Gene, 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 Paul, Gene, Paul, 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 Gene. It's, you know, it's, it's a change. It has a way when you would hear a Peter song, and I'm even going to say, Eric, even Tommy, you hear another voice, all of a sudden it raises the mediocre song that might be delivered by a, paul or a gene and -hmm. makes it seem a little bit more special because oh that's my guy or that's Mm -hmm. the guy we don't get to hear like hard luck woman later when paul would sing it it just it doesn't quite Mm. feel it doesn't feel right it's Mm -hmm. missing that voice and that voice is peter chris Mm -hmm. so getting to hear eric sing something that know that gene was originally going to sing it and thank god gene was like no eric that you you started this you you need to finish it let's go for it Mm -hmm. so I really think that could have been some of these songs were like, Oh, it's good. I think a good song turned great by another vocalist really could have helped. Yeah. Me too. Me too. Um, and I think if we would have kept good girl gone bad, I would have suggested, Hey Gene, won't you give this to, won't you give this to Eric? Won't you, won't you let Eric or Bruce take a shot at this? Yeah. Um, if we would have kept it, um, turn on the night, uh, keyboards are at a Bon Jovi level. Um, but this is a great song. It just needed more guitars, the bass and the drums. Um, to, to, 
fatter bay i think if you would have pulled the keyboards if we would have brought the drums up and give the drums a less generic wallpaper sound mm -hmm. and and fatten up the bottom a little bit and crunch the guitars a little bit we could have not we would have not had to pull the keyboards down very far because the keyboards are actually a part of this song and it's 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 a good part of this song i wouldn't have wiped them out entirely and i wouldn't have even pulled them way back into the back but i would have brought them down to where they would have been a little more level with the rest of the instruments yeah i would have at least evened them with bruce's guitar that it's you could definitely tell that there was another tone there but it's to me mm -hmm. if you got your stereo on five the keyboards are at a seven mm -hmm. right exactly exactly um but i would have kept definitely would have kept it uh on the just with those tweaks um thief in the night good song by gene not a great way to end an album i would relocate this song to somewhere else on the album or replace it with a gene demo Or if you're going to keep it, if you're flat out going to keep it, give it to somebody else. Let let Eric or uh, Bruce sing it just to, I know that cuts down on the amount of Gene songs. It's already kind of low, but Gene wasn't putting in that much effort to begin with. So Paul should have been like, you know, Gene, I made the executive decision while you were out filming a video. And this song, uh, instead of having you call you in to cut vocals for it, we, uh, we, let, we let Eric take a shot at it. Yeah. Um. So that's what I think. Um, there were demos that were that were recorded um, that I would have considered. I would have considered uh, "Promise Her the Moon." Mm, yeah, um, it's a ballad by Gene. Uh, and yeah, I, I think it's a. It's not the strongest song, but it's not it's not weaker than some of his other weak links he's got on the album. Um, are you always this hot? It's trash. Um, <laughs> I'm glad you said that. I was like, please don't like this song. I, it, no. It's okay that it's, it was, you know, missing and Ooh, but you hear it and go, okay, I clearly see yeah. why it did make the album. Um, dial L for love. is eh, it's not that great um the 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 chrome heart from gene is very heavy yes and chrome heart is is it could have been a contender uh i think it would have it would have it would have been nice to have another no 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 type song even though it's not fast it by nature, the song has a heaviness to it. And I've got a hot take thinking why it probably didn't go that far. I could hear Paul going, we're not writing animalize. We're not writing lick it up. Like that's, that's where that song belongs yeah. between yeah. creatures, animalize and lick it up. So Gene came with probably a no, 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 that's kind of there, but pulled back a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, time try and Paul, Paul had um, time traveler. I and, love that I track. Mean, and, and, and like you said, Sword and Stone and, and Time Traveler. Um, and uh, I think those would have been great contenders. So this is my revised track list. And if I was tracking out um, Crazy Nights, this is what I would have done. I would put Crazy Crazy Nights first. 
And I'd immediately follow it up with no, no, no. Um, I'd get Gene in there early and I'd follow a party song up with a rocker song. I'd give you that one, too. Um, then I would bring I Thought Hell to Hold You in at number three. Hell or High Water would be number four. Uh, Bang Bang You would be number five. I would start the uh, next, the side, with Reason to Live. Put it right there. So if somebody wants to go straight to Reason to Live, they put the vinyl or put the tape, and they go straight to the Reason to Live. Um, then I would have put uh, Good Girl Gone Bad. Uh, or I would replace it with Chrome Heart, possibly replace it with Chrome Heart. So it would have been Good Girl Gone Bad or Chrome Heart. Uh, then um, I would have put um, When Your Walls Come Down, but more like the demo. Uh, then I would have had Thief in the Night or Promise Her the Moon, one or the other. And then I would have ended with Turn On the Night. Uh, the only thing that I would, if I would have decided to make it and I would have cut my way, and if I would have wanted to keep this 11 tracks, I would have put Time Traveler before Turn On the Night. And there would have been Time Traveler and then Turn On the Night would have ended the album. It's funny that you mentioned that Time that Turn On the Night is a closer uh, because I, I pictured that as a closer as well. It's a great way to end an album. So I, I didn't write mine down, but as you were going through it, I was kind of looking at, at the CD and what I would pull. So really quickly, I would do Crazy Nights, I'll Fight Hell to Hold You. I would take out Bang Bang You and add in Time Traveler. No, no, no stays, hell or high water. My way is going to stay. When your walls come down is out. And like I said, that is where um, uh, I'm, I'm losing it now. Um, oh, Sword, 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 Sword Stone. Stone would go Reason to Live. Uh, good Girl, Gone Bad. Uh, then I would move up Gene's Turn on the Night and and or uh, Thief in the Night and then end with Turn on the Night. Mm, that's good. All right, the last little thing we got, and then we will we'll give out our social media handles, and then we will we'll get out of here. Um, I'm going to show my. I'm going to put up on the screen my previous review when I reviewed this four years ago. Uh, my favorite song was "No No No," followed by "Crazy Nights," followed by "Hell or High Water." Number four was Reason to Live. Number five was I'll Fight Hell to Hold You. Number six was Bang Bang You. Number seven was Turn On the Night. Keyboards, man, it was getting me back then. Um, number eight <laughs> was When Your Walls Come Down. Number nine was Good Girl Gone Bad. Number 10 was Thief in the Night. Number 11 was My Way. Now in uh, September of 2022, my new review is No, No, No is still number one. Reason to Live has moved up to number two from number four. Crazy Nights dropped from two to number three. Mm. Alpha Hell to Hold You uh, went up one to number four. Number five is Turn on the Night. That jumped up uh, two spots. Bang Bang You is number six. It stayed at six. Hell or High Water dropped from three down to seven. When Your Walls Come Down stayed at number eight. Good Girl Gone Bad stayed at number nine. 
Thief in the Night stayed at number 10, and My Way stayed at number 11. So you had some things kind of in the middle there flip around a little bit. And I, you, know, you probably noticed it. Uh, other than My Way, I kind of I got a little kinder to songs that um, <laughs> that have keyboards, very keyboard-heavy or keyboard-centered uh, in them. And I will say about this, even though My Way is now 11th, uh, still 11th on my list, I don't hate it. Uh, used to be my way got skipped as soon as it started, <laughs> it got skipped. Um, but I don't skip it now. I, I let it play. Uh, cause it's got some, it's got some good verses and the pre-chorus is good. And he gets a little high in those, uh, in that chorus and, uh, and the keyboards are right there in your face. But, um, you know, I've, I've, I've just kind of come to accept it for what it is and the time period it was made. And, yeah. uh, you know, and I talked about my my creative differences I would do if I was producing. So, uh, yeah. So you got that's pretty much my closing thoughts is uh, with Crazy Nights. Uh, um, I wouldn't change anything about the packaging either. I um, love the packaging. The only uh, thing, is, well, I, the only thing I would change just being a Bruce and Eric guy, the album looks like this officially. I would just turn it upside down. And put Bruce and Eric, <laughs> Bruce and right. Eric at the bottom. You know, make yeah. Paul and Gene be at the top. Yeah, yeah. Put or Bruce and Eric. Yeah, yeah. And uh, but it's it's nice little. It's a nice little. I like the fractured mirror uh, thing, and I like how they have the the logo around the corners. Yep. Um, that's kind of. There's a band I love called Typo Negative, and they're real big about doing oh, stuff yeah. like that. Is they'll yep. they'll have their corner. They'll have it in the corner like that. I mean, um, the only other thing that I would have. The, the the pictures on the back are not exactly the best pictures. Um, Paul, pull up know. your pants. But yeah, this <laughs> this right here, dude, dude, I don't want to see this. Paul, I've been like, um, okay, Paul, let's get let's take another shot. Uh, maybe turn your head and pull your pants up. Um, you know, but like, dudes, yeah. dudes don't want to see that. Um, right. But yeah, uh, but I, I like the packaging. Uh, the packaging is is good for the time. Yeah. It, it looks it looks very suited to what was going on during that time. So, yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, overall, overall, my closing thoughts on it is uh, I like it more than I did, and we're gonna have to find out where it falls as I do my videos through. We'll find out as if it stays at the bottom because it was originally at the bottom. Is it gonna stay at the bottom, or will will it move up and something else move down? So, so I've got a as we were planning this show in concordance with ours, we were at the time we were recording this uh, peek behind the curtain is Alex on our show. This is Friday night for us recording it. We at RBTE were supposed to have done this Thursday night. Nico's in the middle of a move. We're hoping to be able to record Sunday night. So since technically yours is coming first, I do have my album ranking. If, if I could spoil the sauce a little bit of how, <laughs> of how I currently rank this album. So on our show, we've only released five albums so far reviewed. So this is the sixth album. So currently we've done Ace Freely, Destroyer, Rock and Roll Over, Hot in the Shade, and Revenge, and now Crazy Nights. So from the bottom, I will read mine as Ace Freely, Destroyer, Rock and Roll Over, Crazy Nights, Hot in the Shade, and Revenge. I Like I said, Hot in the Shade and Crazy Nights for me were just, they for that that those winter months though that right. was those were one album so it's very high i know some people are like oh you mean to tell me it's better than rock and roll over in my eyes 
yes, I, I love that album that much. Even with all the things that we were talking about, that's I still have a connectivity. If I mm-hmm. if I just want something to listen to, I'm I'm gravitating towards 80s Kiss before I, I hit the 70s. That's just that's right. me. Right. So that's my closing thoughts on it. Yeah. Well, we're planning on releasing this. Uh, I'm planning on this coming out the same day that you guys video come out. We're going to do like a, a double fisted uh, assault on the album. So if you're watching my video, if you're watching this video right now and you've never seen Rob and Nick and Nico and right between the eyes podcast, if you've never, well, you've probably never seen them. They don't put out many videos, but I'm going to let him tell you where they are where you can listen to their videos, where you can find them on social media. If you're watching this video and you have not ever heard of these guys or you've never seen their videos or listened to their podcasts, or um, if you have and you haven't heard their Crazy Nights episode, as soon as we're done here, jump over there and check out uh, their uh, podcast for Crazy Nights because that's definitely what I will be doing is – I'll be checking it out myself as well. So, Rob, go ahead and tell uh, the viewers where they can find you and where they can find uh, the Right Between the Eyes. We're on all the social media outlets. A big one for us is on Twitter. We're at RBTE Podcast. Facebook, facebook.com slash Right Between the Eyes. We're on Instagram, Right Between the Eyes. And our show is primary an, auto, an audio show. Just because the video editing software I have is not that great. Once that gets better, we'll probably do some more videos like this. But what we're using the YouTube channel for is we'll we record on Zoom and things like this. And I'll take little sections. It's usually whatever makes Nico make me laugh is like, oh, that's the clip or whatever. We did do a full video for Billy Baker. So you can find us on YouTube at you know, right between the eyes. So Crazy Nights, I don't know if it'll get a full video treatment, but there will be a, a pretty decent probably video section because this is the 30th anniversary. So, and I like to check out Brant's channel. So even though I recorded this, I want to see what he's going to add to this video. So I'm going to tune in to watch to watch this show. And just because I'm a whore and like to watch myself. So I'll tune in just to watch, <laughs> watch me and Brant. So it's, it's a blast that you've had me on. I look forward to continuing to work with you. And that's just what I like about the kiss community. And like you said, at the beginning, you set two guys in a room. And if you're wearing a kiss shirt, you're automatically going to gravitate. And whether it's a five minute conversation or 55 minute conversation, you're going to walk away from that going, Oh, I need to talk to that dude some more. So I'm glad we became fast friends and our, our podcasts have managed to find each other and uh, in a spot. And it's kind of cool as we're going through albums the first time you're coming back through and re-examining. I think that's the fun thing. Cause like you said, flavors kind of change and an album you're like, eh, I really didn't like rock and roll over that much. All of a sudden you listen to it again one day and you're like, Oh my gosh, I'm not saying I don't like rock and roll over, but you know, as you said, it's crazy nights, something hits you. You're just at a different place in your life. And, you know, kiss hit you in a different way that you didn't get. Sometimes they hit you right between the eyes. <laughs> nice. I love it. All right. So that's all we got for this one. Like I said, be sure to check these guys out. Uh, it's definitely, definitely worth your time. And I warn you, once you start, you won't be able to stop. You will binge through all of their video, all their uh, audio stuff. I listen to them on Spotify. I don't know where all I, you I didn't. Them I didn't say that. We're on most of the major uh, podcast apps. So, you know, uh, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google, Stitcher Play, 
Windows Media, all the big ones that you have. And I think because of some of those, it gets branched and filtered out. So I think we're on almost all the big ones. If we're not, let us know and I'll work my magic and try to get us out there. Yeah. Definitely for sure. Yeah, check them out and be ready to get hooked. Uh, they're great chemistry between the guys. Three different generations. Uh, like I said, I, I'm I'm going to do your advertising for you. You got you got Nick, who I said earlier. He's my he's a little bit older than me, around 56 or so. Yep. Then you have Rob, who's about the same age as Rick from It's All for You Demon. You 48. Know, mid, mid 40s, late 40s. Yep. Five years younger than me. And then you have Nico, who's the same age as my son. Uh, and so it's really cool to hear just the different aspects from three different views and three different. And I, I love, I love uh, listening to these guys. And uh, it kind of reminds me of when, um, when I did videos with Rick, it feels very much like a video does with Rob. And when I did videos with my son, it's very much like a video doing a video with, with Nico. Uh, it's just that same style and getting all the different, uh, views uh, of this, you know, sometimes they're all three on the same, and then sometimes it's like a well, view comes We're all out three of completely different. Like, what you know, yeah, and I, I love it. I love it. Great, great show that I can't, I can't, uh, can't promote enough. Thank you, you sir. Very, very so, much so. So, that's all for this one. Uh, we will be, re- I will be returning with I don't know who yet, and I'm not sure what video I'm doing next. So, you're just gonna have to keep an eye on social media mm. when it comes. Uh, but it will be coming uh, maybe once a month, maybe twice a month. I know it's a lot of albums to get through, but we're not trying to fly through all of them. Uh, I'm wanting to, and also I'm kind of pumping my brakes on some because I will tell you this, kind of peeling the curtain back a little bit. Also, like Rob said, there's videos that I want him to be in, but I'm going to kind of have to pump my brakes on certain videos until he's done them on his channel. Yeah, yeah. Because we don't want us, we don't want him to give away too much of his special ingredients on <laughs> on my channel. That wouldn't be fair to his channel. So, yeah. um, and I'm perfectly okay with him coming on my channel and saying some Ditto. of the same things he said on his. I'm I'm perfectly okay with that. And I'm go, I'm definitely going to be. Um, I've already told him, hey, whenever you guys want me back, let me know. And I definitely enjoyed being back. I've already been in one video with him and definitely enjoyed there it. There will so, be um, another, definitely. So, Yep. So yeah, if you haven't checked them out, I'm also in their Ace Freely a solo album review. Yeah. So you can check that out as well. All right. So that's all we got for this one. We will see you in the next one. Rob, thank you for taking uh, part thank of your you, Friday sir. evening to do this with me. And check these guys out and we'll see you in the next video. Have a great one. Peace, folks.